0: you for listening to this message brought to you by living word church we trust that as you hear the word of god preached you'll be encouraged and equipped to love god and do his will if you're looking for a church home please feel free to visit our sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc and now for our message When uh, we were taking that offering, I, I really I enjoyed seeing that. Um, big finish with the little man in the wing. Good job. I think that was his first offering. But it reminded me of a couple um, just baby Jesus stories. Uh, first of all, first baby story, uh, Crystal Harris. Courtney and Crystal Harris had her baby this week. The name is? Hayden Asher Harris, Eight and a half pounds, mama and baby doing great. When I spoke to dad, he hadn't slept in days, but he did not get the worst of it. So we praise God for that. I think there's probably a way you can bless them with meals. Please make the effort. They're a lovely family. Uh, it also reminded me that um, many Christmases ago, I've been very sentimental this week, as my daughter, Abby, is getting married on Saturday. Yes. And so I was remembering many Christmases ago when she was like one and a half years old, two years old. I I worked at Moody Bible Institute at the time. I was the marketing manager. I printed, I was a print guy. And so they needed a baby-ish to play Jesus at Candlelight Carols. How many people have been at Candlelight Carols before? Yeah. Some of us have been. Anyways, it's a big deal. It's a Moody church. There's just giant, it's an old historic place, and they do this giant big production called Candlelight Carols and they needed a baby to be Jesus. So I of course volunteered my daughter and they accepted her. She was perfect. And so, so there was this scene, this incredible scene where there's like Mary and she was like a college student and Joseph was standing behind her and she was seated there and Abby was on her lap. And so Abby was just kind of sitting there on the lap, just a picture of perfection as she was when she was younger And older. And she's sitting there, and these magi would come across the stage, all dressed and ornate. And there's spotlights and thousands of people and millions of people, I don't know. And they're coming across the stage and they're they're laying their gift down. And I I kid you not, Abby's sitting on the lap like this. (laughs) And then that magi would go, and the next magi would come and set lay the gift at her feet. And Abby would sit there, and she'd be like. (laughs) And the third magic." I'm like, she can't possibly be three for three on approval of the gifts. And sure enough, she was like, I accept. (laughs) But by the time she was one and a half, she had received so many gifts. She was so accustomed to people laying things at her feet. So (laughs) anyways, I, I, I thought of that happy memory and i just thought how pleasing our gifts are to the lord because the lord loves us he does his love for his children for his people it's so deep and profound wide and we can we can't even comprehend it the kind of love that god has for us and as we bring our gifts it's our money of course but it's our whole lives and we say, I want to live as a living sacrifice before the Lord. I just see the Lord being like, Yes, I accept that. Maybe not quite as posh as Abby was, but his heart is just like, Yes, I receive that from you. And as we give, we can't outgive God. He pours back his blessings. In so many ways, he pours back his blessings. And so it's good. It is good to come and lay your offering lay your gifts, lay your life before the Lord. And I was blessed by that. Let's pray for a moment, and I'm going to share just a brief kind of Christmas message as we finish the Advent season. Lord, we thank you for these moments together. They're only moments, Lord. They're just a couple songs and a couple readings and a little bit of time as we read your word. But God, in these moments, these precious moments, we ask God that you would Come and do a powerful and profound work in our hearts. So that the moments that were gathered like this, God, would be just ripple effects into weeks and months and years and decades of faithful living. God, that we might live faithfully as followers of Christ, as people who you love, the the desire of your heart. God, that we might have a testimony to say that the love of God is real. And that the grace of God is powerful and transforms lives. And that the salvation of God is worth everything you have. So Lord, I pray as we go through your word, let your word go through us. In your name we ask. Amen. So as we, as we, did, you, this, as we did the Advent, we saw that these candles are like lights in the darkness. And for much of history... The church has celebrated Advent, and there'd be the light of hope in the darkness of despair. And there's an acknowledgement that the world has darkness, deep darkness. But in the midst of the darkness of this world, a light has shone. A light has brightened up the darkness. A great light, a bright light. And so there's the light of hope in the darkness of despair. There's the light of peace. in the darkness of worry there's a light of joy and today i'm going to talk about the light of love this little light of love in the darkness of fear fear is such a powerful and prominent peace of our world. Fear is real. I mean, we live in such a normal sense of fear. When you read the Bible narratives, everyone's afraid. Everybody's afraid. It's like God starts to move, and you see this apparent fear, and the fears that maybe kind of get covered up. Try not to blow out the light of love. We kind of bury these fears. We try to hide them or manage them But as soon as God begins to to move or as soon as things begin to happen, these fears creep out. And you see the fears. Even in in Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read this in a moment. Joseph was afraid to take Mary as his wife. He was afraid. She's pregnant. I don't know how that happened. What are my friends going to think? All the social consequences to sticking with a girl like that. Maybe he was afraid, is she really the woman for me? I mean, can she be trusted? I mean, obviously she's pregnant. The Bible says that Joseph was afraid to take Mary. Joseph was afraid of the political rulers. He was afraid of the Roman leaders. This or that, he's constantly trying to dodge and deal with the political landscape, the political world that he lived in. He was afraid that the political world the governmental, the, the authorities were going to do him harm, do him wrong. And he was afraid of them. You know, it's not only the big, scary, dark, cruel world that people are afraid of. We see in the birth narratives of Christ, of Jesus, that even when God begins to move in people's lives, people get afraid, right? So every time an angel appears to Mary or to Zechariah, any time... The angel appears even to the shepherds, and there was a group of shepherds. They're like, people become afraid. And the first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. Even though the angels are bringing good news, even though God is bringing salvation, even though the the love of God is beginning to expressed in a profound new way, people still reacted in fear. And so we live in this sense of fear, financial fear. Fear of medical issues. I even love in the scripture, in 1 Peter 3, when it's talking to wives as, they're about, as they deal with their husbands, <laughs> Peter says, don't be afraid of that which is fearful. Right? And I, I, I don't fully understand this, but I glimpsed it because if you're a woman and you have to, you're married to a man, that's a scary idea. Can I get a hallelujah from the women? In the? Not that... But it's a scary thing to bring your... It's, it's terrifying. Now, some of you guys might feel the same thing. And I God, Peter will talk to you as well. But we live in a world of fearful things. And Christmas, the coming of Christ, the anticipation of God coming and doing a new thing in the world, a new thing in our lives, says, you know what? There is a light of love even in the darkness of fear. I like how Titus 3 says this. When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of mercy. The love of God comes in the, the child of Jesus at just the right time. Not to condemn, but to bring mercy. To deliver us from the fear of this world and to demonstrate and to flood our lives with God's love. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. If I had not been on vacation this week and had thought of a title, I would have entitled this message, The Beautiful Interruption. Matthew chapter 1, we'll start with verse 18. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law Give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. This, this is how it happened. This, my friends, is how the birth of the Messiah occurred. That sentence is potent. All right, we're going to tell you a story. This is how God brought salvation to earth. This is how the promise of God's love being expressed of him pushing back the darkness of bringing salvation, of redeeming his people, of lifting people out of darkness into light, into victory, into new life, into the full promise of God's goodness and love. This is how it happened. There was a young couple who were excited about being married. And as that day approached, she was found to be pregnant. Wait a second. This is not how it happened. Is this how it happened? This is how it happened. And let me me just pause there. If you could just think about what an interruption that must have been to Joseph and to Mary. I mean, I don't know Joseph, but I suspect he was, he had a lot of options. I mean, Joseph was probably, you know good-looking young man, I don't know, maybe a a lot of prospects. Uh, Maybe, probably, I'm guessing, I don't, Bible doesn't say that, but here's a guy with his whole life ahead of him, and he chooses Mary, and Mary chooses him, and they're like, we're going to get married, and they're, they're looking forward to this great life ahead, and suddenly there is what looks to be a tragic interruption. She's pregnant. Although the scripture says that she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So this couple, about to be married, gets their life totally interrupted. Why? Because God's love was making a move. The love of God was entering the world in a new and profound and life-changing and world-changing manner. And yet to this couple, it was a massive, massive interruption. That's the thing about love. It is a complete interruption. I, um, I would imagine that Joseph did not think that this interruption was... From the love of God. I'll bet Joseph and Mary, when these things happened, they did not think, this is God's best for me. This is God specifically moving in my life because He loves me. He's doing these things. They probably went into panic mode or survival mode. Certainly, Joseph did. Joseph's response to this heavenly interruption was an earthly response. God was interrupting, but Joseph's like, I'm going to get rid of her. I can't do this. This can't be this way. Love is a profound interruption to the status quo. I mean, think about it when, if you've ever experienced this, if you fell in love with somebody, right? I remember when I fell in love, I had money. I had time. I had, I had all this stuff, and then I was just cruising along, and suddenly love came to town. Exhibit A. Love came to town, and everything, it was such a massive interruption. All the things I had planned were out the window. I bought a ring because I wanted everyone to know she was spoken for. We had a wedding because I wanted to make a public commitment and celebration, We bought a house because I had to put her somewhere. (laughs) And you know what? By the time it was done, I had a big goose egg in my bank account. Love interrupts. Love requires sacrifice. You know what? The money that was spent for us to get married is nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of living with Sam. It's like love requires the interruption, the sacrifice, the redirection, but it's always, always, always for our good. Love does good to us. And when the love of God hit Mary and Joseph, that that interruption, it took sacrifice. It took... A willingness to make space for love and to hear God and what he was saying. It's the same thing when people have a baby, right? What could be more disruptive to a life than having a baby? Someone tell me. Someone tell me. Two babies. (laughs) That's a good one. Merry Christmas. That's a good one. He had a better joke than me. It's not good. (laughs) Two babies. But could you could you love a little bit of beautiful, creaturely, slobber more? Could you? You couldn't. I, I think of when the apostle Paul was growing in the ranks in his career as a Pharisee, as a persecutor of the church. It took a major interruption for God to get his attention. God knocked him off his horse, took away his vision, and he, he sat there blind to be led by one of his companions to a house for three days. Major interruption to Paul's life. But what was happening? The love of God was coming and doing a new thing in Paul's life. How many people here love interruptions? Yeah, how many people are so tired of someone answering a text when you're having a conversation with them? Come on. We don't like interruptions. We resist interruptions. But listen, the love of God is an interruption. Think about it. If someone comes to Christ and suddenly they they begin to feel and experience the love of God in their lives. It's a major disruption to life as they know it. They begin to think differently. They begin to think biblically. Their desires begin to change. They no longer desire so, the same sinful worldly life. They desire a godly, holy life. Friends start to see that. They don't understand. There's a social price to pay in following Christ. Your priorities change. Suddenly you're getting up on Sunday mornings. You're gathering with the people of God. Why? Just so you can sing and experience the love of God again. Just so you can come and hear the word of God brought before you so that you can receive more of the love of God and grow in your faith. When you start following Jesus and experiencing the love of God, your bank account changes. It's incredible. We're coming to the end of the year and we're gonna get those giving statements, right? And the first thought, it's the first thought, then I have a quick second thought. What I could have done with all that money. My second thought is, it's right behind the first. Lord, I'm so grateful to be able to give that kind of money to the work of God. Thank you that you love me. I'm making space in my life. I'm making space in my wallet. I'm making space in my time, my priorities, in my heart. Because, God, your love is an interruption to how I would normally live. But you get to a place, you get to a place where you're like, Lord, interrupt me. Please, interrupt me. All that you want, interrupt me. But Joseph didn't begin there. Joseph had to learn to love God's beautiful interruptions. Have you ever felt God interrupting you and you just like, oh, not now, God. I've got a plan. Lord, this is not what I want. Hold on, just hold that thought, Lord. This is not a good time for that. That's not a good way to do this, Lord. When God interrupts your life, how do you respond to that? Most of us are programmed to resist it, to deflect it, and say, no, that's probably not the Lord, because the Lord wouldn't want me to do that kind of sacrifice. I'm sure Joseph was like, well, the the Lord wouldn't want me to marry this woman who's already pregnant. The Lord wouldn't want me to have to flee from my hometown and run down to Egypt. The Lord wouldn't want me to raise my family in Egypt. The Lord wouldn't want this. Don't be so quick. Don't be so quick. Because when the love of God begins to move in your life, it'll always be an interruption. I want to talk just for a minute now about the threat of fear and the shelter of perfect love. When Joseph, we don't know a lot about Joseph's life besides these birth narratives. It's thought by biblical historians that Joseph must have died early because by the time we begin seeing Jesus' ministry, he's gone. He's not in the Bible. But Joseph played such an amazing role Because when he received and accepted that these interruptions from God were God's love coming to him, not just him, but coming to the whole world, Joseph played this incredible, incredible role. While all of the world was threatening him, Herod sent a troop to Bethlehem to kill all the babies under two years old. There was probably at that time they estimate between 20 and 30 babies under two years old. They were slaughtered in that little village of Bethlehem. But the Lord had directed them to move out of there before they came. Can you imagine what Joseph would have thought when he heard about the terrible tragedy in Bethlehem? How he would have felt fear for his own family or, or remorse for his friends or for the people he knew there? Or just sick to his stomach that such violence exists on the world? And yet Joseph was under the shelter God's love. And every time, every time a danger approached, the love of God sheltered them and directed them away from the danger. The love of God doesn't remove life's threats, it just shields us from them. The love of God does not take us out of the world, the darkness, it just shines a light in the midst of it. The Bible doesn't teach us to live safe lives away from danger. No, quite the contrary. The Bible teaches us to live radical lives in the midst of the controversy, but always sheltered by the love of God that protects us and watches over us. I think of the Apostle Paul who had that big interruption, got knocked off his horse, and he got blinded. We came to Christ. He got baptized, he began to grow in his faith. And God led him into a life of intense suffering and trials and tragedies. And yet, if you read the book of Philippians, he is the most joyful man that ever lived the earth. He's constantly rejoicing. He's rejoicing in want. He's rejoicing in plenty. He's rejoicing in danger. He's rejoicing in safety. There is a rejoicing that's going on in his life, even though he's constantly being chased town to town, preaching the gospel, being in prison, being stoned, being thrown out of the... Wherever he's preaching... God does this incredible thing that he doesn't remove the threats, but he shields us with his love. Because love, the light of love is radical. It goes places that aren't safe. It loves people that may not love you back. It forgives people that don't deserve forgiving. The love of God which is a light to this world, is so radically different than the status quo that it's dangerous. But the Bible doesn't call us away from that danger. It only says this, abide in my love. Abide in God's love. First John 4, 18, it says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Let's just look at that scripture a minute. It says two things to us. First of all, that fear has to do with punishment. That means we fear things because we're afraid of the punishing consequences of them. We're afraid of speeding because we know that we'll get a speeding ticket. We fear the financial cost. Many times people fear being a witness or a testimony for Christ or just living out their faith honestly because they fear the social consequences, the relational costs. But when it comes to engaging in the love of God, it says this, that fear has nothing to do with love because we are not under God's punishment. I love how John 3.17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. You have nothing to fear with the love of God because it doesn't come to punish you. God's love comes in mercy. God's love comes in his own sacrifice. God's love comes to us. Not to punish us up, but to lift us up. Not to condemn, but to forgive. And sometimes people think that God comes to us to condemn. That God comes to us to keep us down. It's quite the contrary. I think people read the Bible and a lot of the, what it means to be obedient to the Bible, and they think, well, that's the basis of God's interaction with us. It's not. God loved us before we loved him at all. God loved us before we obeyed one bit. The commands of Scripture to obey the Lord and to, to follow his leading is simply the right response to love. And so people are afraid of God's love because they think it's to punish, but it's not. It's to bring mercy and kindness and to restore us. You can tell somebody who really understands and lives in the love of God because they're not afraid of God for anything. Even when they really blow it up, really mess it up bad, their first response is not to run from God. They come back to God and say, Lord, I have, I've sinned, I've strayed away, I've been lazy, I've been neglectful, I've been whatever I've been. And they know that they can find love from the Lord even then. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. we're already condemned. Our guilt, our sin, it stands clear. He didn't have to send his son into the world to condemn us. We already did that to ourselves. But he sent Jesus to forgive us, to have mercy on us. Why? So that we might respond to the love of God, and that we might finally be born and live as people as we are intended to live. It says something else in this verse. That love has to do with perfecting you. It says, fear will never make you perfect. But love, love will perfect you. You don't think there was something going on in Joseph's life when he was dealing with, do I obey the Lord? Do I take Mary? Do I respond to fear? Or do I respond to the love of God? What do I do? What do I do? Joseph said to himself, There was a perfecting. There was a changing going on there. When Mary, speaking to the angel, was afraid and couldn't understand what the angel was trying to say, and finally the angel says, I bring you good news, that the child that you will carry will be forgiveness for all the world. Mary's sitting there like, what do I do? There was a perfecting going on. And in her choosing to say, let it be to me as you have said, or let your word be done in me as you have said. She, she surrendered to God's love. She said, God, if this is your loving path for me, I accept. I don't understand, but I accept. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the issue for us. In the threat of danger, and in the covering and shelter of God's love, What do we choose in our circumstances? When you face a fearful thing, what will you choose? Do you say, no, I'm just going to fear that because it's fearful? The Bible says, do not fear that which is fearful, which doesn't make any sense, unless you understand that in the midst of fearful things, the love of God will shelter you, and that God is bringing you through that because he's perfecting you. How many would love to be perfect? How many already are perfect? Speak to me. Come on. Joseph played an amazing role. And he was perfected by the love of God. He never saw Jesus on the cross. He never was a part of Jesus' ministry. But he completely led the way for Jesus to be born. He said yes to the love of God. He says, you know what? This thing that you're doing in Mary, that's because you love us. That's because you love me. And so I'll take her as my wife. I will flee to Egypt. I will flee back. I will raise him in Nazareth, even though nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. He reshaped his whole life. He was completely interrupted of what he thought his life would look like because he embraced that God was loving him him through even the fearful things. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This morning we're going to end. We're going to sing our final song and we're going to light some candles. But I want you to open your heart to the Lord again today. It might be a fearful thing. I guarantee it will be an interruption to your life to say, I need to make room for God in my life. I need to make room for the love of God. And even as I face dangers and fears in this dark world, I'm going to let the light of God's love into my heart afresh, and I'm going to live it, a love-shaped life, so that I can be the light to others. So if you have a candle... The center one is the candle of Christ. (laughs) If you're on the ends, pass it one back first, and then pass it down your aisle. Um, The plastic battery-operated candles do not light with fire.